We're sponsored by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls, just a great podcast app for everyone. Get Get it for free free in the App Store. Hello. Hey. You know, I was trying to think of a very funny and witty opening to bring to you today. Mm-hmm. But for those who may not know, it is like 90 degrees in Chicago. Yeah, it's really hot. And I'm I'm just a blob of melting skin at this point. Yeah, my all my bones fell out. All so. my bones fell out. They melted. Yeah. They melted. The bones melted. It's hot as fuck. You know what else is hot as fuck? Us. Us. And all of the Desperate Housewives. All the Desperate Housewives. And this episode. Oh, crap. The one thing I didn't say. Of Wisteria Gaze we're about to record. I'm going to set it up where it's going to be a hot episode. (laughs) Welcome to Wisteria Gaze, a podcast where I, Mackenzie. And I, Ned. Talk and watch. Watch and discuss every episode (laughs) of Desperate Housewives, one at a time, and we're gay. Oh, so gay. We're freaking gay. This was a... insane episode (laughs) yeah it gave me whiplash at the end (laughs) the amount of uh, of intense plot points they packed into just a single uh 45 minutes without commercials is uh is absolutely wild to me yeah i just feel like we had a pretty chill season in terms of plot ramp and the the few times we had a plot ramp it went away immediately and this episode alone was just like Ramp city. Ramp, well, ramp, ramp. I mean, they had to They had to be ramp city because we're going in the final two episodes after this. Yeah, this is kind of our penultimate because the finale is technically a two-parter. So we will be doing two separate episodes mm-hmm. because they were two separate episodes of television. Yes. But the the season finale is technically a two-parter. I wonder if they aired on the same night. What if they just did oh, two hours of Desperate Housewives? I would have loved that. That would have been wild. So this was technically our penultimate, I guess, if you really want to consider the two-parter mm-hmm. one thing. So this episode, season two, episode 22, triple twos, premiered May 14th, 2006, and was written by Kevin Murphy and Chris Black. And was directed by David Grossman. Can I say... What's up? Whenever you say Kevin Murphy, because I feel like you've said it before. Yeah, he's, 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 a, he's a pretty OG writer. I always get scared that you accidentally said Ryan Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, uh, Kevin, Kevin, not Ryan. Oh my... God. So, I mean, this is, what, 2006? Mm-hmm. So in in a few years time when we're watching Desperate Housewives season four or five, that Glee is when will be airing. Glee will be beginning. Oh, Glee podcast after this? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thank God, finally I can bring my knowledge to the table. <laughs> I feel like this show does feel very up Ryan Murphy's alley. Mm-hmm. Like I'm actually shocked that he was not a part of this show. I mean, we don't know yet. Yeah, true. He could have been in it in later seasons because Mark Terry could have seen Glee and went, I want that man on my right writing staff yes for hashtag sondheim watch no one is alone is the name of this episode it is for, uh, once again as last week was from the sondheim musical into the woods and i i, I loved wisteria international this week it made yeah. me laugh my ass off so the episode's called no one is alone mm-hmm. in italy it's called loneliness <laughs> okay but then in, in germany it's called alone in the world oh so we go from no one is alone to alone in the world oh and then in France, this was called More Than One Trick Up One Sleeve. What? <laughs> <laughs> More 
more than one trick up one sleeve. I feel like a duck in all this only, wet. Only one sleeve. Only one sleeve. One sleeve more, but more than one trick up yes. one's sleeve. That is wild. Where where does France get their names? Eh, the, they just kind of throw, throw darts at a board. True. You ready to dive into the sodi? Oh, I'm already in the water because it's so <gasps> freaking hot. Oh, yeah. The water's me... nice and cold. Oh, nice. Let me get in there. Let me get in that ice cold water. We open up on Susan's house, which is Gonzo. Rip, dude. We get our Mary on our Mary Honest. Monologue. She's always honest. <laughs> she never lies to us. We get our Mary Alice monologue where she's talking about. How Susan really believes that when times are hard, you find out who your real friends are. Uh, we get some little flashbacks to Lynette, Bree, and Gabby all helping Susan out in times of need, but none of Mary Alice. So I just assumed she was an awful, awful friend. <laughs> She's a piece of shit person. Yeah. Wow, Mary Alice. And we kind of cut back after those little flashbacks to a lot of the neighborhood helping Susan kind of clean up and... Mm-hmm search through the wreckage and Brie comes up to her and offers Andrew's old room to Susan and Julie. Weird. Yeah. That felt weird. That felt really weird. I think that we figure out more of where she's at as the episode progresses, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, on the verge of a nervous breakdown and extreme denial. Yeah. But spoilers. (laughs) Whoopsies. But that was a really, that was the first um, kind of ping for me that something is off with her because yeah. it just felt really strange her offering this room up to them. I'm glad they had a place to go, but I was like, oh, there's going to be something up with, with that this episode. And I was right. Mm-hmm. And Orson's also here for the, the quickest of seconds. Literally, like, why is he here other than to just make Mike make a jealous face? Oh, did he? Yeah, because there was a part where Orson's like, yeah, I'm glad glad to be helping and walks off and Mike kind of gives him a scowl because he recognized him from the movie theater. Oh, yeah, I talk forgot about, about which that. Which they talk about later. In I, the, yeah. I just truly think that Orson is a red herring for Susan. I don't think that they're... If they do get together, I don't think they're going to stay together. I mean, spoilers for later in the episode, the fuck energy between Susan and Mike this episode yes. was a lot. I mean, even if Orson is going to be a another romantic option for Susan... I don't know if he can step up to the the sheer fuck energy between Mike and Susan right now. Listen, I said it once. I'll say it before. Just the name Orson <laughs> just has such such fucking Brie energy. But if anyone's you know, named I Orson, know. I want to know you. What a name. Yeah. I guess Orson Welles. That's the only thing I can think of. Yes. That's that the, is the only, only other thing. person that is named Orson. Brie dated him too. <laughs> Brie dated Orson Welles. Classic. And then we see uh, an insurance guy show up. Who is that actor? He's in like a million things. He's in Glee. <laughs> He's in Glee. He plays Terry. No, Terry is... He's Sandy. He's Sandy, oh not Terry. Terry God. is Will's wife. Are we sure Kevin Murphy is not a pen name for Ryan Murphy? I am convinced it is. I'm glad you knew where that actor was from because he's also been in a ton of stuff. Oh, yeah. He's just in a lot of things. Um, His name is... We got to give him a proper shout out. Stephen Tobolowski, I think. Nice. He is great. He's here for a short amount of time, 
before he goes to be on Glee in a couple years. He's also in One Day at a Time. I forgot about that. Oh my god, he is. He's her boss, right? Uh, the, 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 yeah. yeah the, yes. And it, he dates uh, Rita Moreno. Oh my god. What an icon. Yeah. We love this guy. If you haven't watched One Day at a Time. It's great. It's on Netflix. Here's my ad for One Day at a Time. Uh, not sponsored by the <laughs> amazing television show One Day at a Time. One of the best that comes in years, I think. Oh yeah. We talked about that recently. <laughs> we're, we haven't even hit the opening credits and we're already like let's talk about other tv shows he's great he shows up he is the insurance guy susan's like when can i get that checky checky so that i can get my house rebuilt and if we learned anything from Edie, it will take three years yes as he kind of says because he says that the fire department took a look at the wreckage and has declared that this is indeed arson and Mm -hmm. not just an accidental fire so they have to conclude the investigation of arson before she's able to get a payout yeah and he begins asking susan is there anybody who has a grudge against you does anybody hate you and susan's going no not really i don't think anybody does and she looks across the street and Edie's the only one not helping her out and she's just eating a little popsicle sucking on that pop I was like hello <laughs> suck on me like that ice pop oh Edie <laughs> suck me like an ice cold popsicle <laughs> look I have my kinks I'm open about them I want to be an ice pop in Edie Britt's mouth I was gonna say something that's too inappropriate <laughs> we've talked about strap-ons we've talked about Fine. everything on I'll this show I it. think and shove listeners- a stick in me Edie Britt <laughs> <laughs> one strap Edie she only needs one she only needs one she does not need eight <laughs> she does one strap Edie and her strap is a fucking stick. It's a stick. It's a popsicle stick. <laughs> you know, when you recommend, hello listeners, when you recommend this show to your friends, I hope you immediately open up with, there is an inordinate amount of talk about um, strap-ons and yes. things going inside of people. I hope that's the number one recommendation for our podcast. Me too. And I do have to say, Susan what the fuck why did she not immediately assume Edie? like why why did she think she had no enemies when Edie openly hates her all the time yeah i know it's like this is the one day susan thought Edie pretending to be friends with her was genuine <laughs> so dumb so susan you're right kind of knows she sees that suck and she's like oh i think that, that this might have been Edie, mm-hmm. and we get the little bing of the opening credits before we come back to the neighborhood and we see something that ends up becoming very important later because uh, Mary Alice is talking about how not all people enjoy being a small part of a big community. And the example we get, other than Wisteria Lane of big communities, is this kind of wasp's nest that is in the park in the middle of the lane. We see one of the wasps and we follow it, the CGI B-movie looking. I loved that. <laughs> I just It was cool. Yeah. We follow the CGI B all the way to Tillmeister. Hell yeah. Tilly is in her yard just kind of doing some upkeep and sees Zach taking out the trash and immediately pounces. She breaks into the young house and she starts looking around all the cabinets and finds uh, keys in one of them. Mm -hmm. Takes the house key, but then Paul comes in the room and she quickly just takes a bunch of flour and like closes the gate. And when he calls her out and he goes, "What, what, what are you doing in my house? She's like, oh, I just, I just needed some flour. I just... 
thanks some <laughs> cookies are in your future paul yeah. and then when zach comes in confused paul immediately assumes that she poisoned the food and so he has just decided to throw all the food out mm-hmm. and that's that scene we then cut to susan and edie susan confronts edie about burning her house down can we please put this exchange on the episode sure yeah this is a little awkward and i apologize in advance for how this is uh, gonna sound but um by any chance did you burn down my house yes what yes i burnt down your house you sleazy little whore susan looks hot in the sweatshirt she does and edie looks hot on that ladder Mm -hmm. this was like the opening to a fanfic of my dreams you want to chuck them in the bucket why not yeah they looked hot i do have a i have a couple more moments later, actually. Okay. I think I had a load-heavy episode this episode. All right. I just individually thought they were hot and was like, where's this fanfic? That's that's fair. That's what a load should be. Yeah. It's, <laughs> did you burn my house down? Yes, I did. You skank. Then they make out. Yes. And that's the fanfic. <laughs> and Edie, kind of within this exchange after the funny part, tells Susan that she got the letter. And then Susan admits that she wasn't supposed to get it. And then Edie immediately is like, oh, so you were just going to lie to me. Yeah. Look, I know we're Susan apologists on this podcast, controversially so. I I'm not apologizing for it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Edie in this scene, and I do think throughout the episode, kind of rightfully points out some terrible things Susan's done to her. Yes. She burned down Susan's house. Um, I've been reminded by our listeners who are experiencing the podcast for the first time that uh, Edie not Edie, Susan, probably killed a guy because that guy was yeah, in the, the hospital for smoke inhalation. <laughs> Where is he? He's dead. You know, she stole Mike from her, which is debatable because Mike wasn't really ever with her. But still, she, you know, was trying to go out with Mike. She did sleep with her fiance. Yeah. Like, and then also, that's just the big things. Also, just the little, the little isms of hatred they throw back and forth at each other. I, I I understood where Edie was coming from in this. Mm-hmm. In this, I don't think that maybe she should have burned someone's whole ass house down. Yeah. But hey, it wouldn't be desperate housewives if we didn't have a house burning at least once se- once a season. God, I can't wait to see who's burns next in season three. The season yeah. three house burning. And after this exchange, Susan immediately goes, "I I need to tell the police. I'm going to the cops, and you're you're gonna you're gonna get it, Edie." <laughs> and Edie rightfully points out that. You have no evidence. She fully gaslights Yeah. She's like, I'm not going to say anything to the police. I didn't burn your house down. I don't even know what you're talking about. You have a house? Mm. Fire exists? Who are you? Who am I? Where am I? (laughs) What's my name? She just fakes entire amnesia. Oh, my God. And that's that scene. Yeah. And then we cut across the street to the Solis house. Gabby. Oh, God. Can I just say something? <laughs> yes. When I was watching this episode, mm-hmm. I was I smelled something so foul. <laughs> and I'm glad I'm glad that we found out that it was Gabby. Oh, you because sm- I smelled her through the screen. It was so gross. Oh my god. Did you not? Did you not? Uh, no, I didn't, but uh, you know, truth be told, I'm also incredibly smelly. Oh. So I think so the I smells just, just mixed they kind of mixed together. Me and Gabby are both incredibly smelly people, oh. so that might have just been I I just like I was smelling her and assuming it was me. Oh. Cuz I'm I'm just palpably smelly. I'm I'm like um in that episode of SpongeBob when everywhere oh, he goes yeah. everyone basically dies. That's mm-hmm. kind of what my life is like. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. I guess I'm just used to I'm I'm used to your stink. Yeah, well when um. you when you walk in, I I put <laughs> 
<laughs> I put cotton in your nose when you're not looking. That's what that is. Don't pull it out. You will die. I won't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we find out that Jaume is, who is incredibly sensitive to Get Gabby's smells. Her stank. And it's because she's pregnant. Because mm-hmm. we cut to the hospital and immediately find that out. Yeah. And that's essentially that. Yeah, basically. There was a little bit of a moment when Carlos is going to hug Jamais out of happiness. And I then don't trust that. Gabby can't. I mean, you shouldn't. Because, <laughs> like, we see later in the episode, there's, like, some drama with that. Because Gabby feels like she's kind of left out of the whole scenario. I also don't trust it for other reasons. Well, he did make that weird comment about that he definitely probably thought about her when he jerked off. And also... There's last episode. There's like a moment later with her. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I just don't trust it. I that moment later, which we'll talk about. I thought it was gonna be a dream sequence oh. because it was so horny. It felt so horny and weird. And I was like, oh, no. surely this is a dream sequence. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't either. So this is the beginning of that where Carlos is really touchy feely and happy with Jamais and actively excluding Gabby mm-hmm. from the process of them having a child it uh it's 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 i don't like it i don't like it i don't like one bit i'm just gonna go ahead and say that yeah and then we cut to my favorite character of the whole television show danielle (gasps) that name danielle right yes okay i the way you you look like you doubted it well i mean i i did for a moment because (laughs) no danielle is correct thank god uh she's coming in hot coming in hot uh, she straight up tells Brie, why are you pretending to be happy? <laughs> and she also talks about that Andrew ran away, yeah. which comes back later that Brie is clearly not telling the truth about what happened to Andrew, which we find out later. Mm-hmm. But this was kind of the pepper of that. And I definitely didn't catch it until later. I was like, oh, yeah, she did say run away. Yeah. Which is interesting. Denial. Queen of being in denial. Brie Van yeah. Camp. And then... Danielle starts talking about how Brie forgot her birthday. And so to make up for it, I want Andrew's room. Denise, you're my favorite daughter of all time. I will throw you a birthday party. <laughs> but I want I want the room. Dennis. <laughs> I can't think of another D name, so I just went to Denise. Dana. Dana. No. I do think it's funny. I think it heavily implies that Andrew's the favorite child, not only because the show ignores Danielle constantly, but that like, I feel like Brie likes Andrew more than she likes Danielle. So do I. (laughs) You're not supposed to technically play favorites with your kids, but I think Brie has in a way. Oh yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Brie says, I won't give you the room, but I will throw you a party with all of your friends and there will be cake and I'll throw you a party. (laughs) Yeah, she's getting a little manic in this scene, and it will just continue to ramp up as we continue to move on. But first, we got to go over to the Scavos. We got to go to the Scavos. Tom's packing up a bag. He's going to Atlantic City, baby. And Lynette does not look happy because she knows the tea about Atlantic City. And she brings it up. Once again, another moment of uh, honesty from them in a way that I enjoy. They don't hold out on each other they just say this is the information i have explain it please Mm -hmm. and tom says that he's trying to get a job Mm -hmm. there's the ceo he's been talking to he has a card and he'll leave it on the nightstand if she wants to call and check in on it but he's going to atlantic city with jerry and 
yeah, he's he, the 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 tickets were him going to a show with Jerry, and then he bought flowers for somebody's wife, for like the boss's wife, I yeah. think. And Lynette still thought that was a little weird, and he just was like, "Oh, Lynette." And she kind of takes it with some skepticism, for sure. And when she leaves, she looks back, and Tom takes the card and back, the, so she can't call. The music is dire in yeah. this moment. The music was very intense. Lynette's doubts are back in full force. I don't think that conversation did not help at all. <laughs> His case, I don't think. But we can move on. Yeah, let's go to the Solis household where Again. Carlos is getting rid of all of Gabby's perfumes. Literally every single one of them. And Gabby is, I think she's rightfully upset. I don't think she should have to like get rid of her things. Maybe use a different perfume and stuff once in a while. But maybe you can relocate yeah. to the different bathroom because they talked about how there's multiple bathrooms. I don't know. I just I feel like there could be a compromise. I, I think that Gabby is throughout this episode and we'll get to it more in other episode in other scenes is being a little selfish. But also I understand where she's coming from because she's feeling completely pushed out of this scenario yeah. and she's not given any compromises. Yeah. And like, yeah, I just think it's a little harsh to like just throw out her things yes. without consulting her yes but carlos doesn't want them anymore because it interferes with the pregnancy it makes Xiaomi sick yeah and that's basically that scene because mm-hmm. then we cut back to brie <laughs> i wrote brie is losing her mind <laughs> she hasn't slept no in like a day i think no right? she didn't sleep all night i forget i couldn't tell if this was night or day or when they were I think it was early morning, right? Waking I think it's up. a cool, crisp afternoon. Ooh, yeah. And she, like, has not slept at all. No. But there's balloons everywhere. I there's balloons. Danielle is 17 years old. I thought the the age was going to be wrong. <gasps> I, th- I thought so, too. <laughs> I, I thought the bit was going to be Danielle comes down and is like, I'm turn- I turned 16, Mom. And I turned 12, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was gonna be the bit is so that, did is I. That, that the age was wrong but it wasn't that's probably for the best no but danielle says the balloons are a bit too much i don't want them so brie just takes a pair of scissors and starts stabbing at the balloons that was a wild moment mm-hmm. marsha cross's acting in this episode was bonkers and bananis and the way i love do you want to know the craziest part for me i want to know so when danielle leaves and susan comes back Bree's stabbing and she just stabs Susan just like right in the chest. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I missed that. And she died. Oh my. Oh, that's where that blood was coming from. I was like curious. I was like, oh, is that, whose blood is that? Mm -hmm. You know, that makes sense that it was, that was from Susan's dead body. But Danielle comes back and was able to resuscitate Susan. Oh, that's good. So that's why she's in the rest of the scene. I think I was taking notes and I totally didn't see that. That's fair. That's fair. I'm glad you did. That's why we have to have two sets of eyes on this show Mm -hmm. so that, you know, one person can catch what the other person doesn't. Yeah. I'm being very serious right now. Well, yeah, because it happened in the show. Because it happened in the show, and thankfully you saw it. Yes. And listeners, if you didn't see it, that's that's your fault. That's your fault. I don't know what else to do. Go back and watch the episode. Anyway, Susan's here now. (laughs) Susan is here. It's kind of short, though, because she asks, hey, you okay? Brie says, yeah, with unblinkingly, as no one can see it, but Ned is doing a very horrifying, wide-eyed, big, Joker-esque smile nod at me, uh, identical to Brie's face. And that's kind of the end of the scene. Because Brie just mm-hmm. tells people, I'm okay, when she's clearly not. And then for some reason, everyone she interacts with in this episode takes that at face value and leaves her alone. Yeah. 
Except for later, but we'll get into that. And then we cut to Matthew and Betty. Matthew is still locked in the basement, banging on the door. He really wants out, and he starts to confess about what he did and why he did it. Mm -hmm. He starts saying that he just wanted a normal life, which I did not like. No. (laughs) No. I mean, I think it's rude. I I think it's shitty. I don't know. Like, I don't feel bad for him right now because he betty is right he almost let her not that betty should have tried okay. <laughs> betty is running girl boss lock your son in a basement <laughs> so i don't think betty should have jumped to murdering her son to protect yes. him from um you know going into an institution i don't i think that was bad i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and preface and say i don't think betty should have jumped straight to murder but I do agree with Betty when she's like, you were going to let me, you were going to stand by and say nothing while I killed your brother for something he didn't do. Yeah. I think that a lot of times people do view people who are neurodivergent or um, have a disability as a burden on their life when like it's your family. Those are the people that you're supposed to stand by and, and help take care of. And it seems like at least from what I've gotten, obviously the having to move around has been probably stressful on Matthew. I will give him that. But like, from what I could gather, it seems like Betty is almost overbearingly the singular person who takes care of Caleb. I just, I, I don't see where Matthew feels burdened enough to possibly set his brother up for death. It just mm. feels like the stakes are too high for the situation. Well, he didn't essentially set him up for death, but yeah. when he found out that death was on the table, he didn't do he anything. Didn't say anything. And I just feel like it's it's it makes it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth for him to view his brother who is just being himself mm-hmm. as such a burden. As of now the show is leaning us even though we haven't revisited in forever, leaning us to the direction that Caleb killed a girl, I, I don't believe that. I don't believe the he did The times either. we've seen Caleb, he's so soft and kind I, and well-meaning, and he's had these moments of misconstruing the way women talk to him, but that's just, that's that's how he takes in information. I just don't think that, I don't believe he killed somebody. Yeah, and I've said it way, like, before on this show yes. that I, I truly don't think he did either. And so I just, I don't know. I, 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 it's very hard for me to get on Matthew's side about this because I just feel really bad for Caleb. And I think he mm-hmm. seems like a fine kid who just needs a little bit of help. Yeah. And then we go to Mike and Susan. The fuck energy. The fuck energy. Susan's belly button's out. I was looking. The lingering shot on her stomach abs and her belly button ring susan's stomach <laughs> chuck in the bucket get in the bucky man because uh. like it was because you know i, I pointed out the the a, a few times we have seen this belly button ring mm-hmm. the, like when she was riding the bull like when she was getting and completely undressed for an mri <laughs> but this was like a lingering shot i got to drink it all in mm-hmm. i i i think one of my favorite parts i just love bellies I love bellies. And so I was just like, yes, let me see your belly, Susan. Yeah. The fucking energy was hot. It was. He's like helping put a wiretap on her. Which she didn't even use it till like another day. No. So then were they just practicing? They were just practicing. But like, you know, like it was very, it was very romance novel. Oh, yeah. The lighting was really warm and he has to like lift her shirt up to touch her back to put this on her. It was just very sexy. I mean, they keep doing that because we talked about last time with the glow of the fire illuminating mm-hmm. them. I think they're just taking this in kind of like um, a classic, very romance genre. I think that's where they're going with Muzin. I 
you just saying that reminded me that the last time we really left them off was that conversation when the house was burning where he was like seconds away from saying he Mm -hmm. loved her again and just like bringing that into like them both sort of having this scene where they're like yeah that girl was we just went on one date what about that orson guy oh he's nothing so we're both single yeah eyes emoji and then he brings up that her and julie can stay with him if they want oh my god mike lets me in the episode moving so fast like what a lesbian move to 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 invite someone to move in with you immediately after their house burns down we chuck him in the bucket and it's your ex (laughs) mike mike is a nominee that's a very lesbian thing to do be like i know we're exes but do you and your daughter want to move into a house with me (laughs) i can get the u-haul like tomorrow that's something my mom's absolutely done oh my god and that's essentially that scene. And then we cut to Lynette at the airport with oh. McCluskey. McCluskey, I've missed her. Yeah, she's going to be taking care of the kids because Lynette is going to follow Tom to Atlantic City. Do you agree with this? No. You don't agree with Lynette following him? I don't know. I just feel like, I mean, Tom is lying to her. For sure. It's just such a gray area. No, I agree. I don't know how I feel about it necessarily. I think for the drama of the show, I enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For the drama of the show, I heavily enjoy it. Yeah, but I don't know if I, as as myself, would do this uh, in a relationship. Yeah. But I also fully understand the her feelings because like she's, she, she's clearly being lied to. Like he's a bad liar. They, like the, the, she knows it, and I think she's just terrified of. I don't know. I just feel like she's really committed to this relationship. And I just think this is her worst fear. Mm -hmm. I think that she is worried her worst fears are being realized. I think she was hoping that she would go and be proven wrong. She has a whole life with this man. Mm -hmm. And so she's worried that it's just crumbling from under her. Mm -hmm. McCluskey is so supportive. I love I love this friendship. I'm glad that they're returning to it because yeah. we had those great episodes in season one. And I'm glad they're really leaning back into the Lynette McCluskey friendship. Can I say... So Luna asks uh, Klusky, what if there is another woman? And Klusky goes, I have a gun. And then there's the jauntiest music. (laughs) As we fade away. (laughs) And we go to the birthday party and we see Queen Julie. She looks old. That's what I'm saying. She looks older every single time she comes. Not to be like she, she looks like she's 93, but <laughs> she like I just feel like I was looking at um, a photo, the season one promo of little Andrea Bowen, and she looked like a little tiny infant baby, mm-hmm. and she's looking like a young woman in this episode. I'm just it's just wild to me how much grown up she's getting so quickly. I feel like compared to the other kids, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. I love I love her. Yeah. Give Julie a storyline challenge. Give her a spin-off. Give her a fucking spin-off. Give where her... she's in college. Yes. And it's like when Sabrina went to college and <gasps> Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Can I tell you something? I want I wanna know, yes. I hated the college years. <gasps> of Say by the Bell? Or Sabrina, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Sabrina. Say by the Bell's t- spin-off was also called y- The College Years. Yes, so I got yes. that's right. That was that was my bad. That was my oh bad. Oh my god. I I just remember liking the coffee shop vibe, but then I, I was like, is that too much like friends? There yeah. is an episode oh God. where Sabrina gets some humble pie 
And when I was a kid, I remember that episode. I would eat pie and I would go, I'm having my humble pie. Do you remember the episode with all the pancakes? That's like the first episode. <laughs> it's so good. Or that's not the first episode, but yeah, like, oh, when God. she gets those pancakes, that screenshot of her being surrounded by pancakes is one of my favorite reaction photos on the internet. <laughs> We've watched Sabrina. Sabrina, yes. That's sh- that show slaps it this is also rocks. my ad for sabrina the teenage witch the late 90s television show starring melissa joan hart uh i'm i'm, I'm <laughs> once again we're all on our media references mm-hmm. this week julie goes to the kitchen and checks on brie who is frosting the cake and we find out she's been frosting this cake for an hour people have been waiting for the cake to come out and it just hasn't she feels a little manic here for mm-hmm. me oh yes once again, Julie says, you okay? Bree says, yeah. And then it's completely left alone. Yeah. I thought there was going to be a weird, like, Julie's therapist mode kicks in. Yes. But that's only with her mother. That's only with her mom. I do like therapist mode, Julie. Yes. <laughs> that's very funny. Then Bree brings out the can- the cake with the candles all lit, mm-hmm. sets it down, and immediately goes, oh, one of the candles went out. I, I- will redo this in a minute. I'll, I'll go get something new. Or she she went to go get more candles get, or something? Get, get a lighter to relight the candle. Yes. And as soon as Brie leaves, this girl... Named Barbie? Named Barbie comes out to just fuck up <laughs> Brie's entire life. She comes out, she sticks her finger in the cake and eats a little bit. Who does that? That's not your cake. No. Who does that to someone else's birthday cake? What? I understand it if it's your birthday cake. I also understand it if you're like a child and you're just like doing it really quick. But she's a fucking 17-year-old, and it's not her birthday cake. What a wild thing to do to someone else's birthday cake. I was like, I can't believe Bree's going to get her gun out again. I, that we very well could have gotten to that point, because Bree comes out. She sees the mess up on the cake. Mm-hmm. And in a moment of just rage-fueled fat phobia. You, you look like a girl who enjoys her frosting. No. No, I didn't touch it. It's just a cake, for God's sakes. Will you please just cut it? Mrs. Vandekamp, open your mouth. I want to smell your breath. And I hated that. I hated it as well. I um, am glad she was like, it it wasn't me. It was Barbie. Yeah, like, way to go, that girl. Yeah. Uh, But, like, it just, that sucks. And I also, I just, like, hate that. I hate, I hate bits like this. I hate Mm -hmm. bits that, that do that. And this not to not to spoil anything this won't be the first moment of like fat phobia that is like a main plot point that we will find in the show and it just every time it makes me really uncomfortable and i just anyone else that maybe felt uncomfortable by that i want to say i see you and i'm there with you because it sucked but hey this actress is fab oh yeah we just looked her up she was in get smart Uh. 2008 an iconic film (laughs) and based on her twitter interactions with drag queens she may be gay yes she I was just telling Ned, she tweeted at Willem Belli and said, I'm team fatty gay. So I don't know if that, what that means, but this actress, Lindsay Hollister, if you're gay, I love you. <laughs> and if you're not, we love you still. We still love you because you're great. And yeah. thank you for being on the show and being awesome. But what happens in this scene that's important it happens after that moment. Yeah. Brie starts going off on Barbie and Danielle gets really upset and she bounces. Well, she knocks the cake over. Oh, yeah. Barbie, like, knocks the cake over and, like, she screams at everybody. It just becomes cr- wild. Mm-hmm. I actually understand Danielle in this scene. Like, I would be mortified if my mom was doing this. Yeah, same. So I understand her, like, upset and wanting to run away. Not not run away from home. Run away from this scene and this Yeah. Imagine. 
We then quickly cut to Zhao Mei in Carlos and Gabby's bed. We find out that Carlos is letting her sleep in this bed because it's close to the big bathroom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they'll take Zhao Mei's room. Yeah, and Gabby's pissed Mm -hmm. because Gabby says that there is a bathroom that is just down the hall from the other bedroom. So she doesn't think that there's much of a difference. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm inclined to agree. Like if they're the same distance, yeah, it just it does feel like Carlos is he just doing something. Yeah, he wants to give her like the luxury of their room. Um, I I'm gonna just say it again. I don't like how he doesn't consult Gabby on anything. He's just making decisions without her because he's done this before. Oh, for sure. He just makes decisions and he does not consult like his wife, like the person he has a life with. I mean, this is the man who uh, messed up his wife's prescription drugs in order to get her pregnant. That's so true. He's, you know, he's not a good guy. I've had moments lately. I think that the show has made me forget that he annoys me because they've made him be kind of chill lately, but he's starting to annoy the shit out of me again. That's what the show does. Yeah. Cause God, thinking about what season one Carlos was like, he was awful, 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 awful. And yeah, I just feel like, yeah, he doesn't. He makes decisions and doesn't consult her in any way because he assumes what her answer will be. And though he may be right, it's still not his place to make the choices without her. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he's probably right that if he t- asks her, she'll say no. But then that's where the conversation begins, right? That's where, like, talking and communicating as a couple begins. Yeah. You don't just make decisions. He seems like the kind of guy who's, like, a act first and ask for forgiveness later kind of person. So it makes sense to me that Gabby would eventually retaliate mm-hmm. because she's annoyed at being left out. Yeah. But they do sleep in Jamie's room. Uh, there is a moment where he kicks her off the bed on accident. And so she just goes to sleep on the couch. Mm-hmm. We then get divorced challenge, get divorced challenge. Something out of left field that I thought about was what if Carlos dies in a season? <gasps> But I like next season. No, just like in a season. Oh, but okay. I, I don't feel like that would happen because we've already had Rex die. And that's like a partner death. Every husband dies. Every husband. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> um, but we cut to Danielle kind of just scoping out the, uh, Matthew's window, trying to call for him. He's not there. So mm-hmm. she goes around to the back and finds kind of a, a store. Like, what is it called? Like, like a storm st- door? Yeah, storm door. Something like that. Uh, I, I think I associate it with the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, like yeah. storm doors for a cellar. Yes. And she goes down, finds out Matthew is locked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she finds out that Matthew is locked up, and that's essentially all we get from that scene. Yes. Because then we cut to a scene I loved. Yes. Brie cleaning up the cake later that night. Susan walks in after, I guess, just having a couple hours of fuck energy with Mike. And... She tries to talk to Bree and helps like, hey, like let, let's clean it in the morning. Let's maybe go to bed right now. And we get a really, really moving scene where Bree is saying that she feels like she, she can't sleep. Mm-hmm. She hasn't slept for days. That's why she's kind of manic and intense. And she, what she describes to Susan as to what happened at, the party feels kind of dissociative. Yeah. Like how she was outside of herself watching a person she didn't recognize reacting in this way. Like it felt like a very dissociative mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yes. I, I agree completely. She she talks about how she also can't sleep because she's having dreams of Andrew in the rear view window. 
And Susan inquires about that because everybody thinks that he ran away. She tells her everything. Mm -hmm. That she left him on the side of the road and drove away. And this kind of made me remember the opening monologue where your friends are always... Like, you find out who your real friends are in your lowest moments. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Susan stuck with Brie in this moment was very powerful to me. Like, you could really tell that, like... I mean, like, yes, like, what Brie did was not good, but Susan can really tell that Brie is just beating herself up about it. Yeah, Brie feels horrible. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's... I mean, we talked a lot about it last episode, and there's been some great discussion about it in our Discord as well with, with, with people watching along with us, and... It's a really tough scenario, but I think in this scene, it it doesn't look like it's something Bree's proud of. It is hurting her. It is killing her that she did that. I'm curious how long it'll be before she tries to go find him. Because I feel like, obviously, she has to have some time for herself at the end, obviously, at the end of this episode. But I I don't know. I just feel like you can't watch this and not see that there is, like, deep love there and pain like pain but love for him because she i feel like she's got to go get him back yeah she's got to go find him and i have a lesbian nominee lesbian of the nominee lesbian (laughs) of the episode nominee for this episode okay because there was this very i've never what we've really never seen brie and susan like have a meaty scene together Mm -hmm. and there was this very romantic moment of susan touching brie's cheek and like they just kind of looked at each other and it was just this beautiful shot and it was when she was like i'm gonna stay with you and i'm gonna clean this with you and it was just this beautiful moment of susan being there it was it reminded me of that romantic gabby brie episode like season like when they won earlier this season like it was just a romantic it was a ship i had not considered uh, I just want to nominate that. That's the the two of them having this beautifully romantic moment together for Lesbian the episode. Hell yeah. Yeah. Let's check them in that bucket. Check them in that bucky. And then we go to Lynette. This look. I loved Very it. Very good. Yes. The sunglasses. <laughs> yes. Nice. Nice. Lynette has followed Tom to a hotel. She's in a car kind of scoping the place out when Tom leaves. Mm -hmm. And does he call her or does she call him? He calls her. Because I think she wasn't expecting him to call. There's some comedic liberties. Comedy of errors. In this scene where Tom wants to talk to the kids and... uh, Obviously, Lynette cannot make that happen. So she's like, well, what about Jerry? Can I talk to him? And Tom is by himself. He's like waiting for a cab or something. Yeah. And he also says he's outside the casino and he's like, yeah, I'm going to go try my luck again. And like Lynette can physically see that's not where he is. And then a car alarm starts going off. And Tom just goes, that's so weird. I can hear the car alarm through your end and on my end. Weird. And Lynette's like, yeah, feedback. Cell phones are wild. Y2K. (laughs) The the, the technology. And he just believes that? Yeah. I mean, Y2K, once you say those words. (laughs) You're right. All I got to say is Y2K and his head explodes. Mm -hmm. But they sort of have this moment of... After that, after that kind of, that almost getting caught, Lynette somehow, I forget how, but sees herself off the phone Mm -hmm. as a car is pulling up for Tom and he gets in it and drives away. And then we get a very quick scene of Tillmeister calling the police saying, my uh, my neighbor Paul has been threatening me lately and I'm very scared. The police tell her we can't do anything and something physically happens. So she says, if you won't do anything, I will too. 
But also throughout the scene, we find out that she is drawing her own blood and that she has in her fridge a ton of it. Like eight pints at least. Yeah, like she's been doing this over the course of a while. And I feel like, as we find out later, I think that she was just trying to leave an audio trail Mm -hmm. of the steps that could lead to what she sets up later. Yeah, I definitely picked that up. I was like, this is just so there's a record of her calling. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's a smart bitch. I'm, I, mm-hmm. I cannot wait to talk about later. Later is wild. I can't wait to talk about it. Okay. We then cut to Susan and Edie again. And Susan is wearing the most atrocious shirt I've ever seen. But it has snappable, easy to rip off buttons on the front. So that's, that's why true. she's got to wear it. For plot convenience. For plot yes. convenience. Can I tell you, I've been trying to uh, step away from reading my notes. But can I please tell you what I wrote in this moment? Sure. Susan and her wire go to see Edie and her tits. <laughs> yes. Edie's tits just felt very prominent in this scene. And I uh, thank you. Thank you, Nicholas Sheridan, for Hell doing yeah. that for me personally. <laughs> but uh, Susan is there to try to get the confession out of her. And <laughs> Edie technically says everything again, but she's eating popped corn. Popped corn. Oh, but you and I love popped corn. I love popcorn so much. <laughs> Audience, Ned and I love I, to indulge in a popped corn. We love, we love doing a little bit of legal marijuana. Yes. Putting on a film and eating popped corn. That is like what we do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so Susan can't get, uh, any viable information from Edie because she's eating so much popcorn and the way that she is leaning into Edie and keeps repeating, I, I can't hear that cause you're eating. Can you just repeat that? Just repeat it again. Kind of gets Edie to suspect something's going on. <laughs> this whole sequence of e- like one, the audio of just Edie going, take off your shirt. I need that um, just for myself. Uh, okay. For, uh, you know, private things. But <laughs> but she literally <laughs> rips Susan's shirt off. Let's be the episode nominee, maybe? Sure. Why not? She ripped her shirt off. Susan is in lingerie <laughs> and then also wearing her wire. This sequence was so fucking funny to me. It was. Like, like Susan with her shirt off, running through the they streets. Are sprinting. I mean, Edie says she's in the best shape of her life, and she's correct. Th- yes. That bitch can run. Oh my god. It was so funny. Them running through the streets. She's trying to get to the wire. Oh, it's wild. They get to the park. They get to the park. We get the return of the hornets. They set it up early. They set it up early and I love that. Um, Because Edie lands on the like thing that the hornets are living on and disrupts them. And they attack her. Oh, I sc- this is my wor- That's my worst fucking nightmare. Yeah. I don't like bugs. I hate the outdoors exclusively for like bugs and creatures that are out there mm-hmm. i'm very fearful of <laughs> of things i'm a scaredy cat uh that's my worst fucking nightmare for just a wasp of well, not a wasp uh, a nest of it was yellow jacket yeah. they said aren't those like crazy poisonous i think so how is he not fucking dead i have no idea <laughs> she got we don't even get to see her until later but it, it it's not pretty no she got fucked she up. got so fucked up and susan just like stood there and watched it happen and then we go to Tom going into a house. Yeah. Lynette going up to spy. She put her little detective cap on. Ooh, detective Lynette. And it's like a, a tall brunette woman who he's with. Mm-hmm. They're drinking wine. They go upstairs. And Lynette's worst fears are confirmed. He's cheating. Cheater, cheater. 
pumpkin eater. I can't ask you this. You can't? Is it a spoiler? I feel like the show's trying to trick me. It feels too easy to you? It feels too easy. But sometimes I have a curse where I think things are too easy. And they're just easy. Yeah. So it could just be he's cheating. But I also feel like that's too easy for a soap. That's too easy. I'm putting a sly smile on as my poker face this time. I'm okay. giving you no inclination to either side. <sighs> and, but do you want me to... I will give you... How about I say something without spoiling it? Sure. You will find out if you are correct or not by the end of this season. Okay. So in the next two episodes, you will find out whether or not you were correct with it being too easy or if you were correct with it being uh, something more. Okay, cool. You will you will you will get that confirmation in the next two episodes. Hell That's a little yeah. slinky little spoiler for for everyone here. <laughs> Hell yeah. Cuz Lynette sees that she bounces. She cries. It was very moving. Yeah. Lynette, Felicity Huffman loves to give us a performance. Mm-hmm. Emmy award winning queen. Yeah. I mean Felicity Huffman and Marsha Cross always give us their all. They give us that acting. Mm-hmm. They give us that acting. They eat it up. I love it. I love them all so much. <laughs> And then we cut to Gabby waking up on the couch. She is pretty angry that she had to sleep on the couch for one night. And I think Mary Alice comes in and says that Gabby does not want to do nine months of this. So she goes up to the garage and makes a concoction of all of her smells and douses the room so that Jaume won't want to sleep there. That really has to smell like Garbo. Fucking Garbo because things I'm sure smell nice on their own. But when you mix them all together, Uh -uh. cheaper weepers, man. And that was a pretty short scene. Yeah. Then we get Tom coming home to an empty house. Oof. Kluski is nearby. Yeah, I right? think she's like doing uh, gardening outside. And so he goes over to see her. Yeah. And he asks, have you seen Lynette and the kids? I don't, I don't know where they are. And she tells him that she packed up the kids. She left. And the puppy. And the puppy. They didn't forget about the puppy. Thank God. Which, where's Bongo? Where's Bongo challenge? That's true. Bongo's never coming back. Maybe once or twice. I feel like we got a new puppy, so now we've replaced that puppy. Bongo has been replaced yes. in terms of their dog budget for the show. Mm-hmm. I wish we could have seen her again. I'm curious what the mm-hmm. what she's feeling, but it also makes it kind of spookier that she's kind of like off screen and we have to watch Tom deal with it with us not knowing how Lynette feels. I just, mm-hmm. I, I'm curious if Lynette was always that type of person that is like the second he cheats, I'm out. Or if there is a, some residual feelings or I, I'm just, I, I want to know what, what's on Lynette's brain. She probably, she, pro- she still loves him, but yeah. she is the type of person I think to just pack up and leave to be like, I'm not dealing with this bullshit. I'm worth more than this. Yeah. Yeah. Good for her. Good for her. And that's kind of the end of that storyline for the episode, right? Yeah. Oh, spooky. Because for now, we got to go all the way to the hospital. Oh, ding dong, Dr. Ron. (laughs) Are you there? (laughs) My God, if we saw him. What if Edie starts dating Dr. Ron because she's in the hospital? That'd be so As revenge to Susan. I want that, actually. Yeah. That's a lot. But we don't get that right now. (laughs) No, we get to see Edie. She looks fucked up, dude. Yeah, she's so swollen from those yellow jackets. Once again, my worst nightmare. <laughs> Susan comes in and tries to give Edie a deal. Yeah. That's like, we just will lie together and I'll still get my thing and, and we'll bury the hatchet. You know what, Susan? You can take your deal. You can shove it. Because yeah. when Edie gets out there, you are dead. She is going to destroy you, Susan. The thing is, 
Edie's not wrong. No, she's not wrong at all. <laughs> the, th- the thing is, like, I, I, I definitely, um, maybe it's because of my urge to be different, am trying to constantly take Susan as I, as I get her. Because I do, I don't not like Susan. I feel like Susan gets a lot of, uh, um, you heard it here first, folks. This is my opinion on Desperate Housewives. I think Susan gets a lot of unneeded hate sometimes. Granted, we are taking her as she is now, season two. We're taking all these characters as we are experiencing them live. But I think she gets a lot of unneeded hate. Um, but I, I do agree with Edie that, like, Susan is uh, quick to victimize herself and lean on others for help. And But I do think that this, as we see later, this conversation kind of kicks Susan's ass a little bit in a good way. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's going to help her become a little bit more independent. Maybe it's going to help her learn to take care of herself a little bit more. I do really feel bad for Edie because the line, especially when Edie says, whenever bad things happen to me, you're always the one that's around. That's kind of true. Yeah. I just, oh, I, I, I'm excited to see if in season three, what they're, if they're going to follow through on this, if they're going to follow through on this angry Edie and Susan immediate you know kind of uh what am i trying to say butting heads butting heads i wonder if they're gonna fall through on that in season three i would love to see that if they do i feel like they're gonna do it for half of the season and then get rid of it yeah that makes sense I, i'd love it for even that long i yeah i think it'd be very interesting i want to see them actually because they're making they've made Edie. they introduced her as like the villain right but uh, they haven't least, really done anything with they haven't that. really done anything with her and they've not really committed they've they've been kind of wishy-washy with her place in the group like sometimes she's their friend and sometimes she's not Mm -hmm. and so i I, you know if you're gonna make her a villain just commit make her into a villain i i I hope that they really follow through with her because i one want to see more of her and two think it'd be cool i agree we then cut to susan and mike hot boy mike once again is like if hey how's it going susan uh you want (laughs) to live with me And this scene is Susan saying, no, I'm going to pass. I'm going to do it on my own for a bit. Because, I mean, what Edie said was harsh and was true. But I think, and I respect that, like, it got through to Susan a little bit. Yeah. Like, oh, maybe I should try to do things on my own just a little bit more. Yeah. Especially because you just saying that reminded me of how season one sees Susan talked a bit about how she's so quick to jump into other relationships Mm -hmm. because she just feels she's like, she's the type of person who always needs to be in a relationship. And I hopefully maybe her being burned by Carl hearing those harsh words from Edie will be a good step back of like, maybe I should be single for a bit. Maybe I should take care of my daughter. Maybe I should have a lot of sexual tension with the guy across the street and not (laughs) act on it. You know, (laughs) Uh, I, I do think, I, I I don't know, I just feel like, much like end of season one, they're setting up some interesting new directions they could take the ladies in. And I just, I hope to God that they follow through follow with it. Follow through, yeah, me too. And that's that scene. Pretty mm-hmm. quick. Yeah. We then go back to Carlos and Gabby. They are fighting. And... What's new? I, I know. Gabby says that Carlos is treating the baby as more important than her, and the pregnancy's just begun. Mm-hmm. Which she's not wrong. She's not wrong. I think that there should be balance. I think that... Is this the scene where he calls Jaume the mother of his child? Yes. That's gross. That's gross. And Gabby points out, like, those are my eggs. I am the mother of your child. Mm -hmm. She is... I think that, you know, it's still a little derogatory for her to be like, she's the oven. Like, she's an important part of this process. Because especially for people who can't carry or do not want to carry. She's an important part of the process, but she's not the mother. No. You know? And, And so I just say, like... 
I understand Gabby's immediate kind of reaction to that. I'd also be like, what the fuck, dude? Like, it's bad. It's bad news bears. I don't yeah. like it. I don't like it. Especially bad news bears because then Carlos goes downstairs because he's upset. Oh, he's no. sitting on the couch. Zhao Mei comes in with a roast beef sandwich. At fucking 10 p.m.? Like, what? Yeah. And we heard a little bit earlier in the episode that he's not allowed to have, like, red meat because he's on a diet. Yeah. But... There's this really weird fucking thing where Jaume hands him the sandwich and he's like, no, nah, I can't. Gabby would kill me. And she just goes, I won't tell. It was very sexual. Yeah. I, that's what makes me nervous. I don't, I thought this, I literally thought this was a dream sequence. I thought there's no way this is real Mm-mm. because we have not seen any inclination that Jaume, in my opinion, has an attraction to Carlos until this moment. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like she's been kind of just, like, frazzled and hanging out. They also have not really uh, given this character a lot to do. They ha- Sorry, I interrupted No, no, you. no. Keep going. They haven't developed this character. Yes. But in this episode especially, I feel like they did pepper it in. Yeah. Because if you look at Jaume, the way she is looking at Carl throughout, especially she hugs him at the doctor's office when mm-hmm. they find out she's actually pregnant. And, like, she's like, no, I can't hug you Gabby because of your smell but Carlos I can hug you and like I th- I feel like they've peppered it in throughout this episode yeah I I don't like it no it, me neither it's like a complete abuse of power it feels really gross and also do you know what I just thought about what? I'm worried they're gonna do that trope that I feel like I've seen a lot where it's like usually a person of color in the role and there's usually a language barrier and it's like they act innocent and like they don't know what's going on and then in the end there's this heel turn and they've been like they pulling the strings the whole time and like a villain and i'm worried they're gonna do that with jaumet of her being like oh yeah i've been trying to steal him the whole time i've been here i'm a villain i'm a bad person i'm just really worried they're gonna do that with her yeah because i feel like that's a trope i see a lot of with people of color especially in television shows and i just Mm -hmm. i don't i don't like it i also just think that's gross that they're gonna but it does feel like they're leaning towards them hooking up yeah nasty dude nasty let's cut to the apple white house though thank god uh yeah we see betty she's she's looking good she's healthy she's coming out to talk to matthew (laughs) matthew's not really responding and so when she goes to get her keys danielle fucking whacks her with a tire iron that's insane the this is when the episode started giving me hives (laughs) It, you looked like Edie. Yes. I the way everything starts shifting and turning from this point on is wild. It like starts here and does not fucking stop. Mm-mm. It does not give you a second to breathe from this moment on. Because um Danielle lets Matthew out and he 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 kind of makes a comment being like I didn't I didn't like you shouldn't have gone that hard with her. I thought you were just going to steal her keys. And they run off. We then see Brie. She has a letter from Danielle on the counter. She starts reading it. And it's like, Matthew and I are running away. And you need to blame yourself for this. Like, uh... Yeah, that's a lot. I feel like Brie... Yeah, sure, she pissed you off. But, like, she is clearly dealing with a lot that maybe Danielle, sure, doesn't know about. I don't, that's just, it's a lot. It's a lot for her to just be like, um, you suck. Fuck off. I'm never coming back. 
Because it was just the thing Brie needed, I think, to push her over the edge. And she packs up a bag. She goes to a, a psychiatric ward. I think so, yeah. And admits herself for evaluation because she's like, I think I'm having a nervous breakdown. And honestly, I respect that. I do, too. I think that if she knows she needs help, she needs to ask for it. Mm-hmm. Especially because I think this is actually a really great turn for her as when it was so hard to get her to accept help in AA. The fact that she is openly and actively going to get help for herself i'm proud of her i'm proud of her for asking for the help when she needs it before it gets too bad right yeah and that's all we see from brie and then we cut to paul going into the kitchen at night and slipping in a bunch of fucking blood that is covering the floor of his house and like a dumbass he's putting his little hands in every bit of it yeah. and then putting those bloody handprints all over every surface of his home you know it's just blood it's blood well i think he, we see in a moment because he, he follows it out basically mm-hmm. to the he follows this like trail it looks like maybe a body was dragged yeah he follows it out all the way out to his car and before he can look in the trunk the police show up we find out that they got an anonymous tip paul thinks it's from tilly i don't know where he would have got that from but and he thinks it's pig's blood Mm -hmm. the cops go over and find a bloody saw Mm -hmm. and it's just so fucking funny how lackadaisical paul's being like oh it's just fake like holding the bloody saw with his bloody hand as he's covered in blood like sir he just thinks that she's fucking with him i mean she is until i mean yeah but she's the queen she is the queen of fucking with people the police open the trunk and there are two fingies in the bed. Did you at this point think they were hers or fake? I thought they were hers. I thought she fucking did it. Uh, I, cause I don't. And you'd be right. Yeah. Cause we see that later. Um, I just, yeah. Like I, 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 she's that kind of person. Like, and I knew that she was. I mean, yeah, because like they could have tested fingerprints and like it needed to be hers for anything to happen with mm-hmm. it because the police arrest him immediately upon finding that. That was so good. Cause then we go right into the monologue, right? Yeah. Um, we go back, we go right into the monologue. Mary Alice comes in saying that there's a moment when we realize we're alone in this world and it's always very shocking. Mm-hmm. And we see Paul, you know, going to jail alone, Tom, in the abandoned house, mm-hmm. Gabby being kind of left out of the family unit, Brie laying in bed with no kids, Edie alone in the hospital. That broke my heart a little bit. But she has no one to be with her. Yeah. It was just all these people who are deeply alone. And we see that there are some people who can find the bright side of being alone, like Susan, who's mm-hmm. finding independence, and Tilly. Yes, Tilly. We see her enter a cabin with a man and she's going to be renting this for a bit. Going off the grid. Yeah. And we do see that she did cut her own fingers off. She has like bandages around her hand. I have something to say. Sure. Did you hear what he called her? No. What? He was letting her in and he called her Mrs. Huber. Oh, yeah. Which is, I assume, her maiden name. Mm-hmm. Was it? Or was the Hoobs married? The Hoobs was married. Then was the Hoobs their maiden name? I don't know. All I'm saying is she's been, you know, Tillmeister. Felicia Tillman. 
Now she's Felicia Hoobs. Hoobs 2.0. Is she officially Hoobs 2.0 now? I think so. I think she's officially the new Hoobs. Oh! New Hoobs! New Hoobs! We have a new Hoobs. Oh, this calls... This this is cause for celebration in the streets. Oh, God. New Hoobs. Hoobs, 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 Hoobs. We have a new Hoobs, Hoobs 2.0. I cannot believe she cut off her own fucking fingers. I can. The pain that must have been. I mean, if she's a nurse, then maybe she could have gotten some painkillers to, like, numb herself. Yeah. But holy fucking shit. She wants him to go away. She is serious. Yes. She wanted him dead. I mean, the thing is, if she can never get him to go away for Hoobs 1.0's murder, she can get him to go away for hers. Mm. She's a badass bitch. And this is wild, but I kind of love her. Oh, I do, too. I kind of stan. Hell yeah. And that is the end of the episode. That is the end of the epi. We need a we need a load. I'm leaning towards Brie Susan. Yeah, me too. It was just so romantic. Let's do it. Brie Susan having their romantic moment in the living room Hell is yeah. our lesbian of the episode. And eventually I will update them on Twitter. So everyone, if you see me posting like six lesbians of the episode at once, no you didn't. <laughs> And with that, we have been Wisteria Gaze. If you want to find us on Twitter or Instagram, you can find us on Twitter at Wisteria Gaze or Instagram at Wisteria Gaze underscore, as well as our website, WisteriaGaze.com. And on that website, you can find links to our Discord. We mentioned it earlier. Yes, come talk with us. Yeah, people are having such good conversations. You can also find a link to our merch page and to our Patreon. Whoa! Our Patreon is great. Helps support our show. If you sub to our Patreon, you can get some really cool things like ad-free episodes, show notes. What else is on there? Our like undying love and adoration as well as episode shoutouts. Episode shoutouts. So we're going to take the next minute to just shout out our patrons. Because we love you. AJ, Annie, Cheryl, Elise, Helena, Liv, Nadia, Sarah, Tom, TK, Vincent. Thank you so much for being our patrons. Thank you. You're the best. We love you. Uh, And so if you want to sub to our Patreon, you can go to our website or patreon.com slash wisteria gaze. I love reviews. Oh, tell me about it. I love reviews so much. They help people find our podcast. And when we read them, they make our day. They make me smile. Bonus points if you make me smile. Yeah. And at the end of every episode, we like to pose a question just to get those reduces flowing. The reduces, we're leaning in now. Yes, I'm leaning in. Uh, They're never mandatory. We just like answering them. Yes. So the question this week should be, how would you frame Paul for your murder? Oh. Is that a good one? Yeah. How would you frame yours? I would... I would steal his credit card and buy a bunch of stuff for myself like expensive clothes and gifts and things to sort of leave a paper trail of maybe us having an affair and then i would go i would the last thing i would pay for would be skydiving and i would pay for two people so it looked like we went skydiving together 
and then I would fake my death by using my second person to be a dummy of me that has a broken chute so that when we skydive, I drop the dummy and I leave signs of clear, um, what do you call it? Where, you know, when people mess with things, sabotage, I would leave signs of sabotage so that it looks like I was actively sabotaged with. And then I would land and I would like put my name was Paul so that it looked like maybe Paul and me went together and that he okay. sabotaged me. And um, that's how I would frame him for my murder. Um, I would. That's a very good framing for murder. I, by the I way. got it's very, very it, well got, it got very detailed in a way I did not expect. I feel like mine is so simple. Simplicity is good. I would trick him into coming to the woods with me and he would accidentally actually kill me. <laughs> Um, but I would have, um, I would have you perform a ritual to bring me back to life. You know, and I'd come back as a succubus. Ooh. Um, like Jennifer's body. Oh, <laughs> yes. Do you know what I'm scared you want to do? What? Fucking Riverdale season four. When they were like, when Jughead, spoilers for Riverdale season four, Jughead did die, but his, his hat protected him. So he didn't. No. I, I was so scared. I, Jennifer's body is far superior. <laughs> yes. Uh, if nobody's seen that movie, I highly recommend it. And also, when you leave us a review, tell us how you would frame Paul for your murder. Yes. Other than that, you can find me, Ned, on any form of social media, at Ned Jorts. You can find me, Mackenzie, at Mackenzie Wilkes. Mackenzie. Yes. I love you. I love you so much. Everyone else, stay juicy. Oh, stay juicy. <laughs> <laughs>